So if I was to mention the date, September 2nd, 1945, who's my historian buffs? Who can tell me what happened that day? All right, so that is the day that Japan surrendered to America. September 2nd, 1945, on the USS Missouri on the decks, and the emperor of Japan comes out and he signs the paperwork. But a lot of people don't understand how that came there. Yes, we know we were in a war, but there's a, a difference between our mentality or the, the West mentality of war and then the Eastern or the Asian mentality of war. And it really comes down, to, and we can understand this a little bit by looking at two games. Who knows the game of chess? Who's played the game of chess before? All right, do we have any people who have ever played the game Go? The game Go, G-O. Okay, so I've got one up here. Another one back there, Robert's done it. So Go is a little bit different than chess. Where chess, you maneuver your pieces around until you put the king into checkmate. In other words, you force the player who is the opponent to surrender to you by moving your pieces around and, and overcoming their pieces. Go is a little bit different. Go, one person starts at the center of the board and the other person starts on the outside of the board. If you're on the outside of the board, your job is to block off every route off the board from that person. The person who is in the center needs to contain or, or maintain a supply line out to the outer rim of that board. So now think about this, where we maneuver our pieces to take on their pieces, defeat their pieces, to overcome and become more powerful on the board than them, their concept of winning the game is just simply keeping a supply route. It's a little bit different concept, is it not? And so we were sitting there fighting a war against the Japanese and they were just trying to maintain supply lines. We would take islands and we would defeat some of their best units, some of their best divisions and battalions, and we would take ground from them. But as long as Japan sat strong, they would never stop fighting. So what changes that in World War II? Anyone? There's two names that go with it, Little Boy and Fat Man. The two nuclear bombs that were dropped on the homeland of Japan. It changes their concept because they knew we could strike them deep and we could strike them powerfully and, and take them off the board, that we had literally closed off any supply line to any outer rim that they could possibly have. And so their emperor capitulates and his generals come alongside of him and they sign September 2nd, 1945, their surrender form. Now you might be asking, like, wow, oh, Pastor, why are we talking about this? My question is, have you surrendered to God? Have you surrendered to the overwhelming grandeur, the majesticness of God himself? Or are you still hoping that you can hold on to that outer line out? See, that's exactly what we're going to learn today. Last week, we're, we're talking about why it's important that we pick up and carry our cross. Uh, last week, we learned that, uh, you know, through... Doing so, we, we gain protection, we gain identity, we gain purpose. So if you would, please, as, as I'm going through some of this, open to Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. So Luke chapter 14, 25 through 35 in your scriptures. But we learned that when we pick up our cross, it puts us under the protection of Jesus Christ from Satan because now we are following Jesus and when we're with Jesus, Satan obviously can't do a whole lot to us. The second thing is, is it gives us an identity. When we identify with Christ, we know who we are. And the third one is it gives us purpose because when we're following Christ, when we're picking up his 
uh, his cross and we're moving it forward and we're carrying it in the direction that he calls us, it gives us a direction that we're moving because we're following him and his will, his good. And so this week I said that, or last week I said this week we're going to talk about, well, what does that look like? We know that there's a need to do it and that there's some really important reasons for the protection, for the identity that we can follow, and then for the purpose that we have. We know those are important reasons why we should pick up the cross, but what does it look like to pick up that cross? And that's where we're going to go today. But at the base of it, it comes to surrender. Surrendering from your old life and surrendering, the new li- or surrendering to the new life that God has for you. So please, if you could, stand with me as I read this section of scripture to have us begin. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 25, now great crowds were traveling with him. And so he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father or mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, wanting to build a tower, doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? And otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying, This man started to build and wasn't able to finish. Or, what king going to war against another king will not first sit down and decide if he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all of his possessions cannot be my disciple. Now salt is good, but if salt should lose its taste, how will it be made salty? It isn't fit for the soil or for the manure pile. They throw it out. Let anyone who has ears to listen, or excuse me, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before your word today to hear your truth, to understand what it means to be your child, to be a follower of you, Jesus Christ. And so we ask that our ears are made to hear, that we may listen, that we may understand, so that we don't find ourselves not your disciple, but truly a student of you, Jesus Christ. And so, God, we come into the presence today to have our hearts and our minds lifted up to be renewed by your truth. And that whatever this world has done this last week or is preparing to do this coming week, we will be here and steadfast and strong, for we know that we are yours, moving in the direction that you have called us towards. And so, Lord, we just pray this through your holy name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So here in Luke, we we get an odd little scene from Jesus, don't we? If anyone here cannot hate his own father or mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he can't be my disciple, right? This seems kind of counter to the general Christian message is to love, right? And so we have to kind of put this into some context. We need to make this understandable a little bit so we don't see a conflict in Scripture because there are places where Jesus says to honor thy mother and father. In fact, it's one of the commandments that 
God gives to the Israelis as he forms the Ten Commandments. And so obviously this isn't Jesus speaking against what God is speaking about throughout all of time in scripture. What it is, it's a chance for Jesus to make us have to understand a point about who God is and what it means to be a follower and to honor and glorify the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so he says, if you're not willing to set your father, your mother, the wife, children, brothers, and sisters, and yes, even your own life aside for my honor, for my glory, then how can you call yourself my disciple? If you aren't willing to put God first before all else, even that which should be closest to you in the flesh, how can you be my disciple? And see, so this is the first lesson that we start to learn about what it means to pick up and carry our crosses, that we have to sacrifice ourselves. Romans 12 tells us in the first couple uh, lines of that uh, chapter that we need to be a living sacrifice of perfect worship. We've gone over that several times over the last couple years, and so I don't want to go back to it a whole lot. But that is what uh, Jesus is giving an instruction towards where Paul is emphasizing it, and we're going to get a little bit more out of it here in in Ephesians here in a few seconds. But... The, the thing that I want you to dwell on or spend some time thinking about is, is, do you love God enough to forsake your family, to go where he calls you to go or to do what he calls right, even though they'll say no? To look at your mother and father when they speak a truth that isn't scriptural and sit there and say, you're wrong and I can't do that. As much as I may love you and care for you, I cannot walk down a path of darkness simply because you asked me to. Can you do that? Can you do it with your friends? Can you do it with your children? Do you allow your children to pursue bad things simply because you don't want to love them enough? Just because you don't want to make them understand God's righteousness in the world around them. See, this is what Jesus is asking us, and that's the first step. We can't do anything else we're going to talk about today until we get to this point where we can surrender our heart completely and truly be diligent followers of Jesus Christ. If we can't do that, all the rest of it's going to seem odd. It's going to seem weird, right? It's going to seem like the truth of the world is better than the truth of Christ. Because why? Because we haven't given Christ our heart, so therefore his wisdom isn't what reigns true inside of us first and foremost. And so we have to understand this before we take any other steps on what it means to pick up our cross, to carry our cross for Jesus Christ. But he gives us a little bit of insight on this. He says, whoever does not bear his own cross and comes after me cannot be my disciple. And then he gives a little bit of a teaching. He says, for which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. So when I was younger, I sat there and said, well, okay, so if that's the case, then I know I can't become perfect. So why should I even begin this journey? It would make good sense off of this scripture, right? That, you know, if I can't complete the journey, if I can't do what I need to do, then I shouldn't even begin it. I should just sit back and and not pursue. But that's not what he's saying here. What he's saying is is you need to sit down and understand that if you want that, you have to be willing to sacrifice here. Because as you sit down to build a house, you can do it 90% of the time if you're careful and you budget and you do what you need to do and plan it out and follow your plan. So what he's saying here is, is if you're wise, and you know you're going to go down a road, do you not stop and think about it first? Now, I know some of you are probably like me. I'm kind of a bright, shiny object person, a little bit impulsive from time to time. That's okay. Don't freak out. You're not going to have to give that up necessarily. But on the backside of that conversation is this, on the really big, important things, even those of us who are bright, shiny object people tend to stop and think. And so what he's telling us is you need to dwell 
on this issue. You need to dwell on, are you prepared? Do you have what it takes to get there? What's it going to mean to pursue and carry the cross that he is asking you to carry? So that you have an idea, that you know what you're getting yourself into, so that as you go through the journey and difficulties come, you don't understand, or you don't come to an understanding that that's God trying to get you or trying to be bad upon you. No, that's, that's just a difficulty, but yet they're still past, our movement past those difficult times. He says, you know, otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all of the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying, this man started to build and wasn't able to finish it. Right? See, when we take a second, when we, when we become followers of Jesus Christ, when we accept him in our heart and we say, yes, I am your disciple, I am your follower, you are my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to stop and take that second and go, what does that mean? What am I doing? So like when we do baptism, one of the things that a lot of you probably um, don't get to see so much and we don't talk about it a whole lot is the fact that before you're baptized, you come speak to me. And that's one of the things I lay down is this, so what does it mean that you're taking this? What's it going to make, how's that going to change your life from this point forward? Because I'm asking you to evaluate that exact question that we're dealing with right here. Have you thought about what it means to change your life, to leave yourself behind and become what God wants you to become? The second little bit of instruction he gives us here in Luke 14 is, is on what king going to war against another king will not first sit down and decide if he is able with 10,000 to oppose the ones who come against him with 20,000. So there's a rule of war. Many of you probably have never seen this or heard of this, but if you are on defense, you need one person for every three of them. If you're on offense, you need three for every one of them in order to have a tide or to, to be, be considered or, or to consider victory as, as a prominent possibility inside the life of, of that action, that battle, that war. So what, the, what they're saying here is, is, as a king, you need to sit down and wager. Do we have enough of what it takes to get there or not? Now, God isn't the enemy. He's not the king who's bringing 20,000 against you. Let's not read that into it because that's not what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is, if, if as a king you were to do this and you didn't think you had enough to handle it. Like your one to their 20 or your 10 to their 20 just wasn't going to cut it. They're, they're a well-trained army or a better equipped army. Would you not first be willing to send a delegation of peace to see even if you got to give up something, even if you got to leave something behind or, or surrender something to them, wouldn't it be worth it for your salvation, for, for this army not to come upon you and destroy you? So my question is, is God's will stronger than your will? Does God have more power than you do? Hands down, I hope the answer is yes, that you've come to that understanding, that you understand that God's will will always come to light. What you want to happen may or may not fit God's will and so may or may not happen, but what God wants to happen will always be what happens. So if you're going, if you're taking your will up against God's will and there is a battle between the two because you're outside of his will, who do you think is going to win that battle? And what do you think, you know, God, yes, I hear that, so I'll, I'll emphasize that a little bit. What do you think is going to happen if you're outside of God's will? What was that? Yeah, you're not going to receive the blessings of God. In fact, you might receive the wrath of God. We see that in Old Testament. We don't see a whole lot of it in the New Testament. Now, remember, New Testament covers 33 years. Old Testament, roughly 4,500 years. 
right? I mean, so there, there's a lot more opportunity to see how God brought upon the judgment, you know, his righteous judgment upon those people who walked outside. I mean, he cast Israel into exile because they were outside of his will. He smited Sodom and Gomorrah because they were unholy cities. I mean, the, the stories go on and on. He flooded the world and only saved one family. In essence, he wiped out all of the brokenness so that he could restart because it was so unrighteous. It was the only way he could make that happen. And so when we talk about these things, we have to understand that God in this situation isn't necessarily an enemy who's coming against us, but he's a power we cannot overcome. And if we're wise about it, we'll sit down and we'll take a look at it and sit there and say, well, I don't have enough to to win this. I don't have enough to be outside of his will, to, to be blessed and prosper outside of his will. Would it not be better for me to sacrifice to resign myself to whatever, um, as, as they put it here in Scripture, um, terms of peace might be there in order to be with God, to be, have him as an ally or as a friend in our language as Christians, as our Father and as our Savior, as our Lord. Would it not be wise to do that? See, but all too often we think we can go up against God and that we can take him on or that he'll, he'll bend his will or his way or his truth to what we believe is being good. And so that's the second lesson, where the first lesson is, is we need to stop and think, to pick up the cross and to just be willing to set aside everything other than Christ, for Christ's purpose. The second one is, is that we need to be willing to sacrifice in the process of that. To be willing to sit there and say, what I have here is not worth enough to be outside of being in the presence of God. And so this is where we find ourselves. We find ourselves at this point where Christ is telling us that we need to be able to be willing to hate our own fathers and mothers, wives and children, brothers and sisters, and even ourselves. If what we are is outside of what Christ is calling us to be. And this is a tough position to be in because we tend to like ourselves a little bit, do we not? We look in the mirror most mornings and sit there and say, hey, you're a pretty cool guy, we got this. Right, brothers and sisters? We, we like to think that we've got a good handle on life, that we're doing good things, that we're a pretty good person overall. But Jesus says, that's fine, but you have to be willing to surrender it all. He's not telling us that we have to hate our families and ourselves. He's saying what you have to do is, is when my call or when my truth comes into conflict with who you are or what you're doing, you have to be willing to sell that away or send that away and walk away from it to do that which I'm teaching you to do. And that's a difficult place to sit. It wears on us because when we're in conflict with God, we don't feel the blessing. We feel that, like that bearing pressure coming down on us. But the answer is to surrender that and walk towards Christ. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter four, chapter four verses 14. I'm sorry, 17. I wrote down the wrong number. It's 17. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't look right. It's uh, verse 17, not 14. Um, and I'll, I'll read it. Therefore I say this, and testify in the Lord that you, no long, or that you should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. And so let's, let's explain that word Gentile a little bit because we fall into Gentile concepts nation-wise. So Israel would call anyone who wasn't an Israeli or who wasn't Hebrew a Gentile. But what Paul's talking about here, because he's the one who is being 
Um, he's the apostle to the Gentiles, to those who are non-Jewish people. He's talking about minds of th- or trains of thought to, to pursue humanity because that's kind of where Greek and uh, Roman uh, philosophy was moving, was into this humanistic viewpoint. And so he says, you know, hey, in the futilities of their thoughts, so don't pursue that any longer. Stop thinking about the flesh, stop thinking about only the world issues and start elevating yourself to this higher level of thinking. He says, they are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. And so this is the first lesson we start to draw. Some of you might have inside your scriptures, if, uh, if you have uh, titles above certain parts of scripture, might have the ethics of a Christian life or Christian ethics might be also in here. But what we're starting to understand here is Paul's teaching that, listen, you need to think of the higher realm if you're going to escape the lower realm. If you sit there and all you think about is the worldly things, you won't be able to move yourself from it. And so this is the problem of those who aren't believers is is the fact that they sit there and they dwell amongst the humanly little things down here in the world and they never elevate their thought to God. They never place themselves to think above what needs to be thought. So that's the first lesson we learn is that if we want to carry our cross, if we want to honor God and be his disciple, we have to change what we dwell on day in and day out. And this is a simple task in, in saying and in, in direction, but it's a little bit more difficult to do because let me explain a situation to you and see if you can't understand the difficulties that come from it. Say I'm having a really bad day and someone cuts me off in a car. How am I going to react? And I'm going to wave at him, yes. You're number one, right? Be honest about this stuff, right? We're probably going to be angry. We're probably going to have some humanly emotion attached to that. See, but what Paul's instructing us is, is like, okay, I understand that. I understand that's a way of thought, but that's not the way of thought, and it's not the only way of thought. And so you have a choice in this moment. You could sit there and do what I've been instructed to do over my years as I was growing up from many, many people is to pray for that person. Sounds really easy, doesn't it? Oh, may you have a blessed day. Anyone from the south up here? All right, so what's a popular saying down there when you're angry? Bless your heart. Yeah, I I spent a lot of time down south in the military. Bless your heart. You're mad at me. What happened? (laughs) I don't understand. What did I do? (laughs) I know that term. I know what that means, right? So we, we, we have that sense of like we can act one way, knowing we should act another, right? Paul, we talked about that last week with Paul with this duality of I know what's right but I can't do it and I know what's wrong yet, that's what I do. And so we have to move our minds out of thinking about the world all the time, start thinking in the godly realm, the heavenly realms, that spiritual aspect, that, that place where our mind can actually have strength and, and rational uh, movement through a situation versus just being driven by our emotions and our brokenness. See, we get taught all the time that, you know, to make it through a difficult time, we need to think with a rational brain. The only way we can have a rational brain is if the Holy Spirit is controlling it because that's the only place we bear some of this stuff as we go along. Um, it, is, it only comes from the Spirit. I can't have a, a loving, compassionate thought about someone unless the Holy Spirit's sitting there dwelling me amongst it. It falls away if I don't. Otherwise, I'll have the malice, and we're going to read about that here in a little bit. And so he continues on. Um, because of their ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts, they became callous and gave themselves over to promiscu- huh, promiscuity for the patience, or for the practice, I'm sorry, blah, 
give me a second here, <laughs> for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. So in other words, what they did was they, they pursued human fleshly things, the things that give us instant gratification. Yeah, those are, those are difficult things because they lead to bad habits. They lead to things that draw us away from God. They become idols in our lives. If you struggle with anger, but yet you're prone to it, and that's the first reaction you always have, and you never challenge it or battle it against it, it's going to rule you, and it becomes your idol. It becomes your God, because it's the thing that drives you all the time. If you're like me, where you stress eat, and you're not cautious with it and careful with it, and really put yourself in check with it, it can drive you into places you don't want to be. If you're an addict of some uh, you know, whatever it might be, whether it's alcohol, uh, some kind of drug of some sort, whether it's, I mean, I'm going to use some tough words here. I let, I don't, there's no little little kids that are going to understand this, but <coughs> if you're driven by sex or any of those things like that, they become your idol because they control you. They're the very thing that you need in order to feel comfortable, but that's a fleshly, that's this thing down here, this, this desire for more and more of that moves you further and further away from God. And so we have to be careful about that. And so that's the second lesson he teaches is that we can't fall into the practices of the Gentile thought process, this ability to just pursue the, the fleshly world and be okay with it. We have to, as followers in Christ, elevate ourselves and want something greater than what this world can give us. To be something greater than what the world would have for us. And then he continues on, he says, but that is not how you came to know Christ. And assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, so in other words, you were taught by the teachings of Christ, uh, not directly, but the words of Christ through um, the ongoing also, not just face-to-face -face with Christ. As the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, right? So this is the third thing, is we have to be willing to slough off or forget our former life, who we were, what was going on before, and be willing to become what God wants us to be. We can't carry the cross if we're not worthy of carrying the cross, if we don't move in a direction that brings us there. See, if we stay in the old life, Christ will push us away, right? Matthew 7, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Go away from me. I don't even know who you are. What's in our heart is exactly what Paul's teaching right here to the Ephesian church, he's, he's teaching them, like, listen, if you don't put away your old self, if you don't step out of the brokenness of the world and start moving to the healing of the, of the heavenly realm, you're not going to understand any of this. And you're just going to fall deeper and deeper and deeper away from God and be more and more in Satan's realm than in the heavenly realms. And he says, you know, take off your former way of life, your old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to, the, to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. So church, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to put off the old self so that God can remake you, renew you into what he wants you to be? See, that's part of picking up the cross is, is allowing God to do his work and sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes he pulls out some pretty dark stuff from our hearts and our minds and he challenges us on it but we have to be willing to accept that. We need to sit there and say when, when we find something that's broken to overcome it and, and heal from it, to be made whole away from it. And so we have to be willing to do that. 
See, that's what it means to pick up your cross. That's part of the process. This is how we get there. This is we stop being who we were and we start being what God wants us to be. It says, therefore, putting away lines, speaking the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another, right? So Paul is obviously the, the big, the, the body of Christ uh, teacher about this concept and that's what he's saying is, is like, how do you lie to each other? Like, how, how does the mouth lie to the hand? Does the hand not know? Like, oh, it won't hurt when that hammer hits it. The hand knows better. And so, one is speaking a lie to the other in hurtful ways, but it hurts the whole body. Why? Well, because now the hand doesn't trust the mouth and the mouth can't speak truth ever again according to the hand and, and this is the problem that comes. So he's warning, he's, he, he's speaking, he's like, hey, don't be lying to each other. So now this is where the ethics side of it comes in, like how we do life, what it means to be a Christian. So we're to carry the truth and speak in the truth all, all the time. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And don't give the devil an opportunity. So what, what he says is, you know, you can be angry. You can have a righteous anger, like that person did something that was really bad. But don't sin about it. Don't don't go against them. Don't be violent against them. Don't try to re, uh, you know, kind of reenact uh, a vengeance upon them. But to step back, you can be angry. Angry is an emotion that each and every one of us has. But when we start becoming hurtful, vengeful, manip- uh, malicious towards other people, that, that's when sin creeps in. And he says, don't let the sun go down. So go in and, and fix it. I think all too often something that in the church we don't do very well is we don't go and fix our difficulties. We don't go and, and open our hearts to hear and, and to deal with the situation. What we do instead is we get really upset with someone and then we hold them off and, and, and this is what happens. I can tell you out of 21 years in the church now, um, you know, through various ministries and various places, uh, most people just pack up and leave. They get upset about something. Instead of ever going and addressing an issue that probably isn't a huge issue in the first place, it's probably a misunderstanding, they'd rather be mad, pick up, and walk out. And they let it dwell upon them, and then they take it into the next church, and guess what? It affects the next church, too, because it's the disease that you're bringing into that body because you're not healed from the first offense. And so you carry that offense and that hurt from that into the next place and into the next place and into the next place until you finally sit down and you do what God tells us to do to go and fix it, to go and address the issue, to go and talk about the situation and go through it and find out what was wrong and why you're hurt and why that person did what they did. Church, we have to, if we're gonna carry the cross, if we're gonna be disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to start living lives fully inside that life. We need to set aside the old life or the worldly life and move to the heavenly realm that God is calling us and beckoning us towards. And he says, this gives the devil an opportunity. He continues on, he says, let the thief no longer steal. So in other words, like, if you're doing something wrong, stop doing it. It's not just thieving. It's not just going out and stealing stuff from people. It's if you do stuff that hurts other people, stop doing it. Raise yourself up higher than what you were before Christ. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. So instead of taking from people continuously and and, and wrapping away from them to to honestly stand up and work hard, diligently, to strive forward. And so this could happen in a lot of different things. But what it does is it's teaching us the rule that we need to put the effort in to be better. We need to look at what we were and, and see it for what it was and then look to what is better and move towards it with diligence. 
with a heart that's dedicated to becoming that. Continues on, you know, no foul language should come from your mouth. So in other words, don't be saying bad things about each other. Don't be giving false testimonies about each other. But only what is good for building up someone in need. So in other words, when you see your brother who's struggling or your sister who's really down in the dumps and stiff, sitting there going, well, they deserve what they're getting. They, they made the choices they made. Come alongside of them and go, hey, we're here for you. How can we make this happen? How can we get you to a healthier place? Doesn't mean you don't speak the truth in that moment. It doesn't mean that you don't help them realize maybe what the, what the issues are. And if you're the person receiving that information, it means you have to open your heart to receive it as not a, as a, a judgment or an allegation against you, but as a person who truly cares about you. Right? It goes both directions. But we're called to do this. This is what it means to carry our cross, to, to live in this way. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. So in other words, as a believer who believes in the cross and the power of the cross and the redemption that comes from the cross, when you don't act in accordance to what the cross calls you to be, you grieve the Holy Spirit. I can tell you, I've walked this path personally in my life. When you're grieving the Holy Spirit, when you're not answering that call that he's giving to you, you're gonna know it. You're gonna feel it right here. For me, it was right here. But when you walk in the direction opposite of where the Holy Spirit or where God's trying to move you, you're going to know. And it's not going to be a pleasant place. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit because he's redeemed us. He's paid the ultimate price Christ has. And we're gifted with this beautiful thing, the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, the very power that brought the world into existence, the very power that has shaped all things and the very power that rose Christ from the grave dwells amongst us and within us. And so we need to walk in accordance to that. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. So let all that stuff that you used to be, let all that stuff that tends to bubble itself back up in your worldly wants, let that fall away. Instead, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God has also forgave you in Christ. Church, if we were to pick up our cross, we need to live a life as Christ lived his life. And we're not asking for perfection because we can't get there. That's why he's saying, all you gotta do is think about it and move in that direction. But the only way we can do that is if we come back to that place, that place of submission and surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit in the direction that Christ and God call us towards, right? If we don't do that, if we don't first surrender, if we don't first go onto the the deck of the USS Missouri and sign off that we accept the conditions to the surrender, whether it's unconditional or conditional, unless we're willing to place ourselves in that position saying, what has transpired up to this point has brought destruction upon me, has brought me to a place of no hope, and has brought me to a place of brokenness, and I want to surrender it all to you so that I may live again, that I may have hope in the future. See, that's what Japan was doing. Japan understood upon the second bomb that we had more than one and that we could continue to do this and they had no defense against it. By signing this, they were able to have a, a, a rent on life and hope again for their country, for their people, for their culture. Because if the war would have continued, it would have destroyed it. Well, here's the deal. is There's a war being waged right now between heaven and hell a fight for each and every one of your souls. 
And every day you're at battle, and you may not even realize it because you may not even see the forces at hand, but the truth of it is this, is every day that you pursue the world instead of Christ, and every day that you choose to surrender to Satan instead of being held up by Christ is the day that you're falling further and further out of hope into deeper and deeper darkness and more and more destruction. But the day you truly surrender your heart and you pursue and you pick up your cross and you start doing what's been instructed here, that's when we could have hope. That's when we can live a life of kindness and compassionate for one another. That's when we can have the strength to forgive someone who hurts us or does something bad against us and in the process help raise them up so that they can be stronger and not do that anymore. See, that is why it's so good to surrender yourself. It's because it gives you the strength. Just like understanding that to the purpose for taking on the cross, the purpose of doing that to, to set aside brings us protection because we're no longer available for the attack of Satan because we're under the protection of, of the cross, of Jesus Christ, which has paid for every sin before and forever. We, care, we carry an identity of the image of God with us when we're under the cross. And there's no mistake about it because we've got the cross with us. And then we have the strength of having purpose in our lives driving us forward. Because God gives us a direction to move us out of the brokenness and into the strength, into healing, and to be able to love one another, to be kind to one another. And is that not what we really want? Do not all of us want to receive the kindness of the other person next to us? But the only way that happens is through the power of the Holy Spirit, through a submissive, surrendered life that is filled with the love of God through the Holy Spirit. See, outside of that, we find ourselves in a place of brokenness. So as I finish up here, I want to pull up the last slide. It's the same one as last week. It's got a little bit of different wording. I was looking at it and it looked a little confusing, so I changed it up. But again, I want us to read this out loud. So please join me. Because when we take up the cross, we take up a life of obedience to God. This allows our life to fall into the order God would have for us, protecting us from the life Satan would have for us. Those are your two options. You either follow Christ or you follow Satan. Those are the only two armies on the battlefield of eternal life. Each and every day you make that choice. Do you follow Satan as your commander or do you follow Christ as your commander? And outside of that is death and destruction and inside of it is protection, identity, and purpose. It's not an easy choice because it means having to surrender what you think is good and instead trusting that God's good is what's best for you. But the truth of the matter is, is which army do you want to fight with? The one that we know will conquer and overcome and cast the other one into the pits of hell for eternity? Or the one that's going to be losing? That's the choice you get to make each and every day. And I pray you take it very seriously and you count the costs and follow the right leader. God bless. Amen. All right. Before I step down, I'll let me close in prayer before the sun. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you for you are our Lord, our Savior, the very God of creation. By your hands, you shaped things. By your very word, you created all 
that is seen and unseen, and, and we come before you in awe because of that. Lord Jesus, we give thanks that you came to earth, walked, and showed us the way to carry the cross, what it meant to truly be a disciple, to honor God. And we give thanks for the blessing of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts, upon our minds, upon our souls, to give us the strength and the courage to live up to picking up our cross and moving forward, to be part of your body. Lord God, we ask that you bless the offering that was collected today, that you raise it up to continue to honor you and to do your works here in Portage and wherever else it may reach, that your word, your truth, is on each and every one of our lips, dwells in each and every one of our minds, strengthens each and every one of our hearts, that we can truly find ourselves in your presence, doing your will, being your children. Lord, we ask that you bless this. In your holy name, amen. Please stand and join us as we sing our final worship.